Communications disruption can mean only one thing. Invasion. For the Republic! Frequency 1138 is all clear and clanker free. This is Clone Army Radio. Execute Order 66. Good soldiers follow orders. Good soldiers follow orders. I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. Begun. The Clone War has. I found them. Repeat. I found them. Cloners. Now this is Congress. We're doomed. What is up, Clone Army? Welcome back to the best accidental Star Wars podcast this side of the galaxy. We're just simple clones making our way. Like a father before us. (laughs) (laughs) Was that a better intro? Falsetto, yes. Yes. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, we are back. We have a new logo and it's pretty cool. We do. Yes. It's my favorite. It's really special. I think it's the best one we've had. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can say that because, I mean, I made like two of the previous ones. So mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, mine's better than everyone else's. No, mine's better than <laughs> the two that I made. That's but, uh, fine. Completely ignore the like hand-drawn logo that I made for you. Uh, nah, no. Merry was, Christmas to me. <laughs> that was the best one when we were a, a crew of three. True. Then Lita went and screwed it all up. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love you, Lita. <laughs> love you, Lita. I miss you. <laughs> so anyways, so we're back. I'm John, joined by Charlie. Yes, hello. And uh, we are back for some more Ahsoka. We also brought back Mike, who we will add on in a moment here. Uh, Mike had fun and wants to join us again. So we figured, why not? I- also had so much fun. It is a delight to be welcoming Mike back. Regarding my strike spiel that you guys have been listening to me rattle on for the last couple of weeks, I am very, very happy to announce that as of yesterday, the WGA strikes have ended. Yes. So congratulations to the Writers Guild and the studios for making a deal. However, I do believe that the SAG strikes are still continuing. So whilst this podcast will carry on discussing products like Ahsoka, we wish the rest of the SAG a support. They're going to do it. It's going to be great. It's going to happen. And I'm excited that things seem to be kind of wrapping up and coming to an end. And I promise when we are done with Ahsoka, I will do like a whole breakdown of what's happened, the deals, all of it. I promise. Yes. Yeah, it's about time. Um, Well, I don't want to say it's about time. I'm glad they stood their ground and they seem to be happy with with the results. So that's a good thing. Um, Now we just got to get the SAG to do it. And maybe we'll have some new Star Wars to talk about sooner than we were expecting. (laughs) Fingers right. crossed. Hopefully. Fingers, fingers, toes, all of it crossed. Unless, you know, Kathleen Kennedy decides, oh, well, you know, we decided to cancel these or put them on the shelf for a while. And you know how that all goes. Let's announce 20 things and then cancel 21 things. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're going to go ahead and get Mike on the line here and... Uh, we're going to talk some Ahsoka Part 7. Oh, my goodness. What is the name of the episode while I'm adding? The name that? of the episode is Dreams and Madness. Dreams and Madness. Mmm. Madness? Yeah! <laughs> there he hey. is. Hello. Hi. 
up, Hello dude? there. I'm trying to find the um, screen where. Okay, there it is. Where I don't have to see my face all huge on the side. <laughs> I found it. Nice. Um, we're talking here Ahsoka, I am. part seven, and yeah, yeah. here you are. Here I so, am. Welcome back. Oh, we had a bunch of people. Excited. We had a bunch of people message us, Mike, that they were saying, uh, "Get this Mike guy out of here. We don't like him." I but, figured. But I we figured, don't listen yeah. to the fans. We don't listen to the fans no. around here. Yeah. Oh no. And therefore, I am back. Yes, in spite of it all. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, Mike returned. Ooh. I have to. Yes. I have to. I wow. have to. Thank you. Wow. If if ever I've heard that line and and appreciated it, it was that time right there. Right. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Or any reference to it, for that matter. <laughs> Speaking of somehow Mike returned, right? That. <laughs> They actually kind of reference Palpatine not mm-hmm. being, potentially not being dead in this episode. Right. They did. Sabine, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what they say. That's what they say. Or that's what people say. <laughs> she got she got right in there, feet on the dashboard, settled in. <laughs> telling him yes, anything did. and everything. Well, she didn't tell him the important oh, yeah. things. Oh, well, maybe, uh, you know, Thrawn, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, small omission. That's like way later on in my my note taking. But since it's been brought up, am I the only one that's pissed off at Sabine? Like for oh, it's complicated. They've these two are whether they're romantically involved or just best friends. You haven't seen your best friend in ten years. You want to talk about everything, and when your best friend's like, it's complicated. You're going to be like, no, no, you're going to tell me. Yeah. It's been 10 effing years. Right. Tell 10 me everything. years. Yeah. You know, that might just be one of those weird story things where they're trying to create tension where there doesn't really need to be in order to kind of make things a little interesting. Because you're right, I'm not really sure what the point of hiding the truth would be. At right. The Especially when the stakes are what they are. Exactly. I just wonder if that's going to be one of those where they're not going to address it at all on screen and then it's going to be comic book or Leto always said they leave the good stuff off screen and and he's not wrong in a lot of cases. I I just think that this is something that should be addressed in the series. Yeah, there's one episode left where it could happen, but there's one episode left, guys. There's a lot of things that have to happen in one episode. (laughs) Yeah. It's very interesting that Thrawn talks about time and how Ahsoka has run out of time. We are also running out of mm-hmm. time, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Right. Very, very good, Charlie. One episode to wrap up. So this episode was paced really nicely between kind of like the three main characters, like Sabine, Hera and Ahsoka. Everybody got yeah. kind of equal amount of screen time. But that's three separate storylines to wrap up and converge together like are we even getting a series two? What is happening? Yeah. I need some answers yeah. and I need them now, not next week. Right. Right. I'm right there with you. Speaking of Hera, I wanted to touch on some of the stuff that happened at the beginning of uh, of the episode, because there was one that... Do it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there was one part that I don't want to say yet made me become a little kid again, but um, I'm sure you guys know what that is. No. The beginning... 
I guess that was what like her hearing for disobeying orders, Hera's hearing, and yeah. um, Senator Giono, Ziono, I don't know how you pronounce it. Ziono, I think. Yeah, for I guess on our little uh, show here, I'm the only one that's red heir to the Empire. Um, he feels a lot like I'm mentioning this for anyone listening uh, that read the books. He feels a lot like Senator Falia, who was a Bothan senator, a total jerk, always giving Akbar, Han, Leia, and Mon Mothma a hard time. And he feels very much like that guy. It, to me, it's painfully obvious that he's he's got to be tied to the Empire. Like Oh, 100 percent. It felt that way. Yeah. Yeah. But the the back and forth was great between him and Hera and the part where he's like, you know, sarcastically, you protected the new Republic by ignoring your orders. No, I protected the new Republic by ignoring you. And I'm <laughs> just like, yes, Hera. <laughs> Hera's just been so great in like every scene. Yeah. I love saying that just because of how much I was like unsure about her at the beginning. <laughs> but uh, she, she feels like Hera from Rebels, I think. Right. Totally. Totally. Yes. And, you know, I feel like there's this um, at this point, it's an ongoing theme with Star Wars where like the people who are doing the right thing are usually disobeying the status quo, usually disobeying, you know, uh, what they're being told to do. We saw that in Rogue One for mm -hmm. sure. But we saw that we're seeing that again here. And I know there were other spots, but, you know, it's almost like. The rebellion within the rebellion <laughs> yes. yeah. are, are the people who are really doing the right thing, you know, and I've I've always found that kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. I thought it'd be interesting to point out um, Senator Ziono, uh, he's in charge of Hosnian Prime, which is a rich, affluent, kind of out of the way planet system. And he is so out of touch with what is actually happening in the galaxy. And I think we see that so much in Star Wars. And I think it's played beautifully here. Yeah. Also, Chopper is exactly where he deserves to be in a courtroom. <laughs> right. Finally. <laughs> right. Oh, I love Chopper. Um, one other thing really quick before we, we get onto the droid. We finally got confirmation of the timeline of Ahsoka. Yes. This is after season three of Mando because right. Carson Teva brings up uh, Mandalore and they talk about, uh, oh, well, Moff Gideon was just a, you know, warlord acting on his own and all of that. And that, again, that was Senator Ziono you know, mm -hmm. shrugging that off. Uh, right. But it's nice to finally know, because I've been struggling with that. I don't think I've mentioned it on the pod, just because I always forget. But it kind of, I knew it was sometime after season two of Mando, but I never was sure, like, where it would line up. But I did have a thought about, uh, was that season three of Mando when Grogu and Din are in the ship and he sees the Pergil going by? Yes, know. yes, I've seen people theorize. Isn't it supposed to be happening at the same time? That that's when that's kind of what my Din, thought was. Yeah, see the Pergil, what they're seeing is is Ahsoka and Huyang on their way to Peridia. And that's kind of like why maybe he's like got his hand on the glass like, oh, I know Ahsoka, <laughs> you know? Oh, oh that's cow. precious. Yeah. So things happening kind of at the same time. That, wow. For them to... If, so are you saying that that the, that that's kind of confirming it or that like 
the way that know. they're talking makes it sound like this has happened after. I, I think like a little bit of both. Like I think that like that particular moment when Grogu saw the Pergil was probably possibly, you know, Ahsoka in and Hu Yang in the Pergil. But mm-hmm. then this courtroom situation where Carson Tava brings up Mandalore that says that this this part of Ahsoka part seven at, at least has happened after Moff Gideon and his clones and all of that stuff in season three of Mando. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it seems to be that it's the end of season three. I, I was kind of happy about that, that it lines up. That's very and cool. And just, just when you think here is going to get court-martialed, as if he pulls out the court-martial card, and the doors open, and who shuffles in? John? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I... I heard his voice before he was on the screen and I'm like, I seriously probably, I was watching it by myself last night, but I probably sounded like a little kid. It's PPO. You know, I was just like, no way. <laughs> and then he comes in and I'm like, oh. I, I seriously, I shed a tear. It came out of the oh, eye. I'm so I, glad. I cried. I know, like, I, I, as you can probably guess, Mike, I, I cry at anything, anything to do with Star Wars in absolute floods of tears, but it, it got me so much. I really wasn't expecting it. And it feels like such a beautiful way of honoring like Carrie Fisher's memory and Leia's character mm. because she she isn't able to be there. And I know that if she was still alive, she would 100% be there in it yeah. in person. Yeah. It was very, very special. And we, we had just talked about how 3PO and R2 were missing from right. the series. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know? And how about 3PO actually being treated with some respect. Yeah. Because oh, yeah, that never first. happens. Like, that's what that's all I could think about. I was like, they're not shouting at him, they're not talking down to him. It's like 3PO walks in and they're like, oh, oh, hello, 3PO. You know? <laughs> and then he's the one he's the one with the, you know, the I forget exactly what they call it, but basically the pardon from, you know, from Senator yes. Organa. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I loved uh, when um, Ziono called kind of 3PO like a useless droid and Chopper basically growls like a dog. <laughs> oh, I know. And and Tava has to be like, no, He's, no, no, no. Back. Yeah. Like, Get back. Wah. Yeah, because again, when we were talking about like stuff that was missing and we we're talking about, you know, certain things that like the droids are always kind of treated like crap in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And, and like when you were saying that the cities don't necessarily feel lived in or whatever. Um, it was like, that was one thing that I was thinking is like, there aren't a lot of situations where you just see droids like cleaning up after the other life forms, mm. which you do kind of see throughout most of star Wars. That's true. So, yeah. So it kind of, that to me was like a nod to like, yes, the droids are still considered inferior, even though they're working for us, they're doing everything for us. You know, it's like, um, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to remember her name. But the droid from Solo. Oh, L3? L3, yeah. 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 I was going to say L7, like the rock band. From like the, the band. <laughs> <laughs> but L3, yeah, you know, she's like, droid rights. And... um yeah, so that she kind of has a point because the droids are kind of treated like, like crap. Yeah, slaves. Yeah, basically. Dude, I'm glad you brought up like two of those things though. The one that I was talking about, the droids being missing, and then 
I, the one that went right over my head was 3PO's respect. Yeah, he he's never I mean, even Poe, like in the sequel trilogy was like immediate, right. like jerk mode to 3PO. Right. So it's just, yeah, he's never really been respected. So and then you can just cool. hear Luke screaming at him. 3PO, 3PO, <laughs> <laughs> no, open the other door. <laughs> Although that's good, that would be R two, I guess. Technically, that'd be opening the doors, but uh, that's what I hear in my head. I hear, I hear Luke screaming in Return of the Jedi, <laughs> and then Han. Jeez, oh man, Han shreds three PO every chance he gets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, Han loves him know. secretly. <laughs> oh. Speaking of Han Solo and C-3PO, we do get a nearly kind of never tell me the odds. So, yeah. so nearly right. with Ahsoka and Huyang, and that was really beautiful. Yeah. That was one of my fun moments I wrote down. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm glad you brought it up. But yeah, he's like talking about how they're, the odds of going to the same galaxy are astronomically terrible. Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka looks at him and she's like, well, you should have said something. And yeah. he, gets all, he gets all upset until he sees her smiling. And have we ever heard a droid, a droid sigh before? Because he's like, ugh. I don't <laughs> think so. I'm guessing, like, obviously we know with C-3PO being as old as he is and having had as many masters, I think the canonical, like, canonical explanation is that he's he's developed past his programming and has much more of a kind of lucid personality. I wonder if the same thing has happened to Huyang because obviously he is so ancient. Right. Yeah. He's a, a incredibly unique droid and has these kind of very human personality traits. And I think a lot of it it feels like a lot of it's coming from Ahsoka because she's so playful in this episode. She's fun oh, yeah. and mischievous and cheeky and sly and witty. It's it's really lovely to see. Yeah. And I like that back and forth before she leaves the ship when they're kind of going like exchanging blame for you know the yes. landing going wrong the last <laughs> oh, time right. you tried it. <laughs> You know, he's like, and what happened? She's like, you, you got the timing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's so true. Yeah, that's um, that's a good point, Charlie. That like, they almost him and three PO. I think more Hu Yang feel very human like. Like they've they have kind of developed past their programming, like you were saying, because he gets very upset much. with Ahsoka at that point where he's like, you know, when she's like, well, you should have told me, and he's like, but you know, like. You can feel his tension, and he's just a program, really. So I just, I don't know. I say it all the time. Star Wars knows their droids. They do so well with the droids. They do. Yeah. We also cannot underestimate David Tennant's sensational voice acting abilities. Ah. He brings so much to that role. As a huge Doctor Who fan and a massive Good Omens fan, It's it makes me happy to hear him like in things and having fun, which he clearly is. Yeah, he's he's doing a phenomenal job. He was my third favorite doctor. Although he was great. Your third favorite doctor? Who's your first favorite doctor? This is very important. The original. The original doctor, then Matt Smith, then David Tennant. We can't be friends. (laughs) (laughs) Matt Smith! I like him. I'm sorry. I like him right away. I like him right away. I didn't know you watched Doctor Who. Yeah, I've known you for a very Good long man. time. That's I'm that's impressed. new. I'm sorry. I thought Matt Smith did a great job. So 
That's okay. You can have your opinion. <laughs> Forgive me <laughs> for for feeling my feelings. How dare you? <laughs> so uh, we get a reference to Asajj Ventress in this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. We do. Count Dooku. Yeah. Hologram Anakin out here just dropping the name yes. bombs. I'd also like to point out, this is the version of Anakin from Tales of the Jedi, which is very, very specific. It's like his general uniform from the Clone Wars with the facial scar. Mm. So a really, really specific point in the timeline, like Ahsoka says, just before he turns. So I really appreciate that attention to detail. Mm. Cool. I and still haven't finished gorgeous. watching Tales of the Jedi. Uh, I have to say, I think... I, I, I really appreciate the fact that they put that scene into this episode and show Ahsoka training, showing her, you know, listening to recordings of Anakin, because like later on, it all comes together. Like, you know, and Filoni is just a master of setting things up for the future. You know, like you guys were saying with, with Grogu touching the glass, like that's how much foresight this guy uses in his storytelling you know but for you know so she's in the ship she's training and then later she fights Balin again you know so it's like she was training in my mind she's training because she knows she has to face Balin again uh. and she lost the first time and she does better this time even though she doesn't quite succeed that's a really good point on that note too since that's twice we've we brought up her sliding down the thing and now fighting Balin. <laughs> he was waiting for Ahsoka. After him and Shin split, he goes and waits. He knew that Ahsoka was coming. This who is this freaking guy? He sees right. everything. I mean, I know he's got foresight, but like how? How does he know all this stuff and why <laughs> I don't know. He's still the most intriguing character in probably all oh, of new Star Wars at this point because I want to know what the hell he knows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and where is it going to go? A costume detail, Johnny, I thought you would really enjoy about Balin. I don't know if you've noticed this. On his belt is his old Kyber crystal from when he was a Jedi. You know, I saw something on Twitter about that. That's really wild to me. So the crystal in his his orange one is not the one he had as a Jedi. No, I'm assuming not. The one in his belt is green, which makes me really happy, especially because I made the whole like Qui-Gon Obi-Wan comparison. Just... Oh, right. <laughs> right on. I know my Star Wars. <laughs> That's super cool, though, that he's he's holding on to it. That just makes him even more interesting. Exactly. Yeah, he's right. such an enigma right. of yeah. a character. So speaking of knowing Star Wars, because I, I think at this point, Ahsoka is getting into things about Star Wars that I, I don't really know much about, which mm. is really kind of cool. But um, when it comes to Sith or, you know, non-Jedi, because we know what the Jedi have to go to the temple and they have to do all that, you know, to, to the Kyber Crystal calls to them. Mm -hmm. But where does a Sith or a non-Jedi like Balin get his kyber crystal? Uh, well, supposedly they like bleed the crystals to yeah. turn them red, which I've never been a fan of. I think it's stupid. Like, why can't they just it's, find a red crystal? They, but... Yeah, a Jedi will connect to the dark side and then they 
they sort of corrupt the crystal, like the purity of the the Ilum crystals with the dark side, and it, it bleeds them. It's like it's like a whole. It's metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> okay, which is kind like of like Johnny a... said, not a fan. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> like Ahsoka purified the crystals in her lightsabers. Yes, kind of. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Exact opposite of what she did. Um, I mean, it, it's an okay way to explain it, but I think it's kind of weak. I don't know. Some stuff is, is stupid. It's not the strongest <laughs> aspect in Star Wars. No. Right. I agree on that. Yeah. Somehow Palpatine also, returned. <laughs> I would argue the start of this kind of fight sequence with Balin and Ahsoka that's broken up across kind of the like the last half of the episode. Does anyone think it's, it might just be the color casting of this particular episode, but his lightsaber looks more red than it did. I was wondering the same thing. Mm. Yeah. It, they were very kind of bright, like tangerine orange almost in That's the beginning true. of the season. And I think Shins has stayed that bright orange, whereas Balin seems to have gotten... No, I thought Shins was still like oh, actually, more red as well. Oh, about it, yeah. I wonder if it's the power of whatever's on Peridia. See, I like that idea more than just oh, it's just lighting in the studio that they're filming. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, see, I'm. I... Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that's, I think you're that's right. A... Pro- there's probably a reason for it, but there's I... some darkness there, right? There's yeah. something going on. Yeah, I didn't really. I mean, like now that you mention it, I can kind of think back on it and be like, yeah, they were, but like I, I didn't pay particular attention to that at the time. But that's interesting. <laughs> definitely felt like mm-hmm. like i kept looking at the lightsabers like they're not orange so yes. like you were saying like bright tangerine they weren't so mm-hmm. um something on that same topic when uh we last see balen on the screen in this episode and he's staring off like he's he's moving forward on you know whatever his goal is the music playing for that was almost straight out of the old Republic video games. It was very dark and old, like ancient sounding music. And I don't know if that's just, you know, uh, Kiner just doing what the master John Williams always did and just kind of like add to the storytelling with the music, or if there was something to that, probably not. But it, to me, it was like playing into this darkness that he's searching for. So I thought that was really cool. Mm. Yeah. Definitely making it seem like there's something pretty epic out there, uh, especially considering the fact that before he kind of hardens himself, he appears to have a moment of doubt. Mm. You know, he has this moment of like, is this really what I should be doing? And then he just kind of focuses and, you know, so whatever it is, it's something that even he's hesitant you know yeah he's convincing himself it's the right thing and not Um, sure that he necessarily believes wholeheartedly that's a good point because um in one of the earlier episodes like it might have been first or second episode where uh morgan elsbeth kind of alludes to balin having to kill ahsoka and he says something about you know it would be a shame because there's so few Mm -hmm. jedi left so i think there is that inner conflict in him that you know inner conflict in him that makes sense you know what i mean though <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so that that's something i didn't pick up 
that you saw, Mike, but yeah. like while you're explaining it, I'm seeing it in my head. And yeah, that like totally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I... oh, go ahead. After the, no, after you, Mike. Uh, we have a um, an Empire Strikes Back style force connection in this episode between hey. Ahsoka and. Hey, don't forget about the Rise of Skywalker in this. I'm not. I'm not letting that slip. Well, uh, hold on. I'm I'm saying that that is those are wait. Is there a because Kylo and Ray they can like see each other and talk to each other, right? And I feel like in this one it's more just like that. Oh, I feel something like Leia kind of felt oh, Luke, Luke Leia, calling yeah. out to her. That's uh, why. I, that's fair. That's why I was specific to Empire. My, my apologies. <laughs> no, I am only teasing. You are absolutely correct. It was a, a really, really powerful moment. I also think for Sabine as well to finally, finally feel the force. Right. That was so cheesy. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> I wonder if there was something about being around Ezra. Oh, you know? yeah. That kind of helped awaken that in her i mean obviously ahsoka's reaching out to her but it never worked before so maybe also you know, the the sequels introduced the idea that kind of the, the force could, well not even the sequels the whole of star wars really has said that the force can be accessed through intense states of emotion and i think sabine's been trying to attack it with determination and anger and frustration mm. and pressure and now she's happy like mm. really happy for the yeah. first time in That's a good 10 years. Yeah. So of course she's potentially more inclined to feel connected to the force, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That's a great point. I like that. Yeah, it really is. Thank you. And, Thank and you. lots of the, uh, the feeling the force thing in the sequel trilogy, you had an upgrade, you know, it's kind of like the OT Skype didn't exist back in the seventies. <laughs> Now Skype exists. You've got Force uh -huh. Skype now. I mean, it's just it's just an upgrade. Yeah, they've got yeah, Force Internet. I can't believe you're defending the sequels. Well, yeah, no, I know. That's kind of odd, right? But I've always said that the one of the things I really liked about, um, and it, God, it's Ryan Johnson that introduced it, was the Force Skype. I thought that that was a really cool addition to the Force use. And and. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole dyad thing, I think, was also in, like, the expanded universe and whatnot. But I appreciated that, respected it, and I just thought it was a fun way for them to explore a new way to communicate through the Force. So, yeah, I, I am I am defending that part, at least. <laughs> I always said that there's things part. I love. <laughs> there's things I love about the sequels. There's just things I, I mean, don't. I mean, the scene where Kylo and Rey are kind of Force fighting is pretty cool yeah oh in, in the oh, rise yes. of skywalker right? yeah you gotta give them that you know yeah i mean it's it's not all for nothing there's there are things to glean from it so to I speak thought, i mean that's really a big highlight of the sequels was was that fight scene i thought yeah which wouldn't have happened if ryan johnson hadn't introduced it in the, in the middle film so that is a very good point. <laughs> I I I used to not be a big fan of Ryan Johnson, and it's taken me some time to come around to the idea that what he contributed to Star Wars is actually really cool. The I haven't gotten the there concepts. yet. Yeah, I haven't but... gotten there yet either. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm pushing it. I'm pushing it. <laughs> I don't I don't hate him anymore, but I haven't right. I haven't gotten that far. Right. <laughs> 
But Charlie, yeah. when you said feel the force just before it took me to that film as well, when Luke is messing with Ray, can you feel it? Yes. I can feel it. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and then she has that whole like deeply interpersonal monologue about life and death. And it's like, babe, babe slow down. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so like when they, when they finally start attacking the Pergil, our viewpoint is from inside the Pergil with Ahsoka and Hu Yang, you know? Yes. And, and so I like the subtleties that they continue to like weave into this show because it's like you don't, it starts with the Pergil kind of like waving side to side, you know? And, and then they're like, oh, wait, you know, something's wrong. And then they come out and, you know, all, all heck has broken loose. It has into a minefield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Insane. Right. So I'm then detouring the... for like half a second, but this episode is such an incredible example of why Thrawn is not only so dangerous but so like important for Star Wars. Star Wars, as it stands, needs a villain like Thrawn. Thank this you. man is. He is. It's crazy. It's so it's so exciting to me. Like he knows Anakin. He knows who Anakin Skywalker is, which means he's able to anticipate Ahsoka's moves before she even has a chance to think about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote down on my notes. He moves the chess pieces before Ahsoka's even seen the board. Mm. <laughs> In my notes, it says Thrawn playing chess. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds. Great minds, right. Johnny. Think alike. <laughs> The one thing I love about that, too, is at one point he's explaining to Morgan Elsbeth, like, this is, you know, this is what I see. So, you know, Charlie, you mentioned Ahsoka's out of time. And mm. the whole way that he's doing this again, I'm I'm an heir to the Empire fan. He would do this with Captain Pelion in those books where Pelion would be like, you know, oh, I see. And Thrawn would be like, clearly you don't. This is blah, blah, blah. And he would go <laughs> in and explain to, explain to him what he's doing. And I'm like, this is – I didn't read the canon Thrawn books. I started one of them, got bored, never went back. But mm. this is like Thrawn from the EU and it's so well done. It's so well acted. It's so well performed. It's yeah. so well written. Um, mm-hmm. It's like I'm reading Thrawn out of those books. And I just love that he's, like you said, he's Ahsoka doesn't even have the chessboard, and Thrawn's already all these steps ahead of her. And yeah, it's it's really great. Uh, I did want to make a point just because I get on Twitter more than I'd like to. I see all of this like. I don't know if it's new or what hatred towards EU fans, legends fans, whatever you want to call it. And I'm like, no, you know what? Shut up people. Because you can hate on, you can hate on the expanded universe fans, but you're loving Thrawn. Guess where that came from? Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'd also like to point out this whole episode felt so extended universe. It felt like something straight out of a legends novel. It really did beat for beat. I do think this was Dave Filoni's little love letter to where Thrawn came from and where a lot of these ideas stemmed from and started and how much modern Star Wars really does have to kind of thank the extended universe for and all of this kind of extra material that was created. It's a a little salute. It's very nice. Very well said, Charlie. Very well said. And I like the fact that like when Thrawn 
when they start talking about who's out there, you know, and, and he's like, he's pondering whether or not Ahsoka is still alive. And then he finds out that Ahsoka is still alive. He's almost like happy. He has this like smirk yeah. on his face because he's like excited that there's someone who can compete with him. Yeah, dude. You know? Challenge. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, he seems a little less pleased when he finds out her master is Anakin. Because he's yeah. like, oh, mm -hmm. okay, that means she's probably really connected to the Force and unpredictable. So that means I got to be even more on my game. And then to your point, so I guess both of you made this point, you know, just the fact that, like, he pulls the um, the attackers out of the debris field, you know, which is like, it's such a small thing, but it's such a cool move because it it automatically puts Ahsoka on defense because now she has to come out of that and come back to where they are waiting for her. Right. You know, yep. As opposed to the classic Star Wars chase them through the de debris field until everybody runs into something. We did get one guy running into something. Of course. But not all we did. <laughs> <laughs> we also got the uh, the classic Han Solo move of hide in like a crevice of like a mm. thing <laughs> so no one can see you. Yep. <laughs> Classic. But I also like how that didn't really like play out too well for her because of what Mike was saying about, you know, he pulled those fighters out of there. So then she had to leave that spot and or no, no, they actually I'm my bad. The the witches found her there. It was the witches. Yeah. Which I have a nitpick about. Which you have. We are <laughs> we're a nitpick for the witches. Try saying that three times fast. Um <laughs> My biggest issue, and I think I've seen this reflected a lot online, is we've had like kind of two episodes of, oh my God, the Night Sisters, they're, they're real, they look exactly like they do in the animated series. Where is the green flame magic? Are we running yeah. out of budget mm. money? Because I don't, I don't mind these little kind of spheres, and I appreciate the kind of continuing references to the threads of fate and Greek mythology and Shakespeare and all of this. Very poetic, Mr. Filoni. Where is the fire magic? Yeah, that's a good call. That, that's what I was expecting when they said that they found Ahsoka. That's what I was expecting that, yeah. Mm -hmm. The little lasers, I was not expecting that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they all have like like the golden snitches that they pull out. Yeah, they and, do. And while it's new, I think and it's new. Like yeah, yeah. Use some power. You know they're powerful. Just, you know, you don't need the little balls to, to do it. You don't need little balls to have power. <laughs> Jesus wow. Christ. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Right. That can only get worse. It can. It will. It will, because I'm going to keep going. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was going to make a really big point, but now I've just been distracted. Um... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's the 12-year-old in me. So we see we see little space fish, right? Not Is just the pergos. Yeah, we see like little space fish while they're hiding on the asteroid. Or we do. Whatever. Which is yeah. interesting because when whale carcasses fall to the bottom of the ocean, they're stripped by things called hagfish, which are these like long, slippery, windy fish that get right in and get all of the food out. Don't ask me why I know this. Um, yeah, I was about to. I don't know. That's the first thing that popped into my head is just, of course, there would be smaller wildlife like out there kind of harvesting from the carcasses as they decompose that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, and that's what they're on, right? I guess they're on pergil bones mm. when they land. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. Wow. Does anyone else See? find it weird that we're talking about whales in outer space, though? 
it's that's, I'm that's not, such a normal conversation. I know. Like I'm not I'm not pooping on it at all. I'm just like it's so bizarre to me that I mean, would you ever look up at the sky and be like, yeah, there could be whales up there somewhere, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, also, I'm glad the Purgles managed to get away. I, I think I somehow had it in my head that they have to like recharge their hyperspace ability, that they would be stuck and they would all die and I would be really sad. Yeah, Dave knows not to, to kill off all of his, his star whales. So, but have, but have you noticed, this is the thing that worries me. <clears throat> this episode has been so lovely and so warm and happy and there's been like there's been laughter and there's been comedy and there's been reunion and family and all of the positive things we love about Star Wars. This is what Dave Filoni does to us. We have once again been manipulated and trapped into the cycle of everything's fine and then the next episode everything is very not fine. <laughs> yeah. For sure. That's, yeah. That's Star Wars. It's got to go that way. <laughs> I'm scared. Help me. <laughs> yeah. There has to be uh, a lot of proverbial um, excrement ready to hit the fan. Yes. In episode no, Beautifully seven, articulated. Episode eight. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of the least offensive way to put it. So. That, was, that was pretty good. I, yeah. I give you a 10 out of 10 on that. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, speaking of... God, I don't even want to say it. Ezra keeps saying, I'm going home. He has said it multiple times. Are they going to kill Ezra? I don't think Ezra? he's going home. Are they going to kill Ezra? Would they really? Oh, this man. This is Dave Filoni. What... He'll do anything to hurt us. Anything. What if that's what Balin has to do? Oh. Stop. They don't want it. That would suck. Actually, it would totally suck. I I would be really I, upset if they kill him off. I feel like, yeah, I feel like they, I don't think they will. Uh, how, as I say that, I'm like, they, they might. <laughs> they might. They always, they always get you with, you know, the Luke Skywalker and, and that sort of thing. But uh, I had a thought when I was thinking about how many times he said going home and watching how pretty powerful he's become with the Force is he going to go out the way his master went out, staying oh, behind, man. fighting something off so his oh, so people can leave? Age. Yeah. Oh. While I think that's a, you know, the poetry, it rhymes, it's, it's, it's good writing. I don't, and I'm not even a huge Ezra fan, but I don't want, I don't want to see it happen either. You know? No, God, no. I just. I want to see more know. of Ezra, grown-up Ezra. Like it just—I hope they, want, they tap into that. Funny, he is right? so funny. The back and mm -hmm. forth between him and Sabine, where she's like, "Take the lightsaber, you, you go on, have it," and he's like, "No, no, I gave it to you." <laughs> yeah, no, I, I gave it to you. Also, the ah, oh, Ahsoka's taken me on as her Padawan. What? Why? <laughs> <laughs> right, and then he like retreads really quick. <laughs> I mean, that's that's amazing. I'm so happy yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 He was he was brilliant. I loved like every scene he was in. He was so it, and you mentioned him and Sabine. It felt again like they were in Rebels. They just had that great yes. chemistry mm -hmm. with each other when they were fighting together. And then, you know, they're surrounded and he's like, don't you don't you want to take us prisoner? And it's just, yeah. you know, <laughs> we talk. <laughs> but oh, yeah. he's been living with like pacifists for the last 10 years like I, 
of course, I think I said to, I was talking to my partner about it and I said like, I'm, you know, like 10 years of, of not using the, like of not having a lightsaber and having to rely on the force. I, I wasn't that impressed really. He just did a bit of like force Kung Fu yeah. and Nick went, yeah, but he's been living with pacifists, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. And not fighting and just enjoying life and enjoying not being a Jedi or trapped in war or being an orphan or any of those identifiers from rebels. He's just kind of been free. I just, he's so powerful. And then Shin absolutely knocks him on his backside and it made me wheeze with like, it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I shouldn't have found it as funny as I did, but it, it made me think of like every scene in Rebels where Ezra's like falling over or tripping over something or he's getting thrown oh. into something because he's been stupid. That's, that's a really good thing to bring up, Charlie. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Because when it happened, I was like, oh, come on. He's going down that quick. But what you're saying is so in line with the character that, yeah, it makes total yeah. sense. And I love how he yeah. grabs that piece of hair that she singed off and he's like, close. Well, and too, I think it, it comes down to the fact that, he, you know, like you were saying, Charlie, he's been living with these pacifists all this time. He's not. It looks like he's not really trying to hurt anybody until no. he picks up the blaster, you know, which uh, I think yes. happens after <laughs> he gets thrown by Shin. Mm -hmm. So that's like that kind of like knocks some sense into him, no pun intended. But, mm -hmm. you know, he gets up and he's like, oh, OK, I really have to take action now. So I really also. I, oh, I'm sorry, Johnny, after you. Oh, just really quick uh, about that scene when he picks up the blaster. I thought that was really cool because he's using the force and using a blaster. Right. And then you see Sabine kind of doing the same thing, but using more of her Mandalorian training. Yes. Which I thought was nice to finally see her kind of go back to that, her instincts, right? Which, yeah. mm -hmm. while I'm saying this, I'm remembering something Ahsoka said early on in the season that she's she wants Sabine to be herself. So maybe this training is to try to pull her. Maybe, yeah, maybe she'll have some kind of Jedi stuff as well, but to maybe be more in tuned with her Mandalorian skills because she knows that that's where her strengths lie. And you could see it in this one big time. Uh, those stormtrooper or night troopers are attacking and she uses the, the wrist launcher and, and all of yeah. that. Mm -hmm. So, and the flame. Right. You know, she's the that once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's improving every single fight, but she's still not perfect. And I really enjoy that. Like, again, yeah. she gets smacked in the head as this girl, this girl needs to be checked for concussions. I'm genuinely quite worried how many times she's been knocked around the head. Yeah, no kidding. She's she, still she's still learning. She's still learning to fit these pieces together of Jedi, Mandalorian, Padawan, friend. It, it's all kind of meshing for her, but it's taking time. And I've enjoyed that, even though we're running out of time. Yeah, very much running out of time. <laughs> yeah, and we, we see her getting progressively stronger, right? The battles yes. that she's in are progressively more difficult. And... You know, she doesn't get out without taking lumps, but in each battle, you know, she improves. Like, like you guys are both saying, you know, the fact that she's, you know, using her Mandalorian technology, which I did write down, so I'm very glad that it was brought up. Nice. But also that she is listening to Ahsoka in doing that, you know, she's becoming more herself, which I think ties into the fact that she's actually connecting with the force for the first time. 
You know, like yes. all of those things weave together very nicely, which is cool. And the way Sabine refers to the feeling of the force is familiar. I thought was so beautiful. Like it's something she's always known, has always been there. Mm. And it oh, made me all warm and fuzzy. It really did. I took that as her feeling like Ahsoka's presence. Like, ah. I mean, not that the way you felt, saw it was wrong. Just that's it could be what either. I came away with. Yeah, it Shut could up, be Charlie. Yeah. God. Yeah, Charlie. <laughs> your, your thoughts are terrible on yeah, this We're one. tired of your great ideas. <laughs> I'll just leave. <laughs> I've suffered enough abuse on the internet today and now this. <laughs> uh, yeah, if that, if that person listens to our podcast, come yeah. fight me. Come fight me. I'll yeah, I'll fight. If, if he there listens, are... bro, you absolutely suck and nobody asked. Thank you and good night. Yes. I don't know anything more than what you guys have said, but I, I'm I'm with you. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. You will have to fight John and me. Yes. John first. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> My army is being assembled. <laughs> um... I wanted to mention something about the night troopers that I wrote down. They did not leak any gas when they died. I was wrong. Mm. I hold my hand up. I, I, was I was incorrect. They are. They are not zombies. They are not goosey goalies. They go goosey goalies. Wow. <laughs> I like that. I'm tired. <laughs> no, no. You meant to say it that way. It's a new. It's a new thing. Goosey goalies. A spoonerism, I believe they call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so are they, but are, I guess I heard a couple it's of them with, look. I heard a couple of them saying, go, 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 like they do in every Mandoverse series that's been out, like the same mm -hmm. exact, you know, voice. But some of them have that Maroc tone to them. Could it just be a mixture? I don't know. I don't know where they're going with it. But yeah, the ones that got killed in this did not leak gas at all. So No, they behaved like all stormtroopers ever. Absolutely no aim. Terrible shot. Fall like a sack of potatoes. Right. Yes. They were going up against some heavy plot armor, so. Yeah. Yes. You know. yeah. Very, very <laughs> heavy. As they were riding alongside Ezra and Sabine, who are effectively in a moving potato. <laughs> they still can't hit him. And I just have to point out how ridiculous, at least, you know, it, it was probably intended to be funny. But like when they see the enemies off in the distance, and, and Ezra's like, okay, we're going to turn. And they turn. It's like the slowest turn in the slowest moving vehicle <laughs> I have ever seen. And I just, I, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. No, you were not built for this. Also, <laughs> Dave, Dave Filoni, once again, straight out of a Western, the black and the white horse on the horizon, um, mm -hmm. the men on the horses and like capturing the wagons on the prairie and the way they circle them straight out of like something in Red Dead. Yeah, totally. Charlie, was there any, um, I, I felt like it was like on the tip of my brain, but I didn't have time to think it through. Um, any like significance to Shin riding a white howler and Balin riding a dark one? I thought it was kind of cool that, you know, Skull and Hattie, Hattie, however you want to pronounce it, are, you know, Norse mythological wolves and all of that. They are. But, and they're riding wolves, which is funny to me. But any 
did you come up with anything on that or catch it at all? Like one's riding a white horse, one's riding a dark. Is that like she's heading towards the light side and he's going further into the darkness or? Possibly. I've, obviously, the, the two wolves in Norse mythology eat the sun and the moon before Ragnarok starts. And I've seen people saying that like Ezra and Sabine are the sun and the moon. Um mm. There's possibly that kind of duality of it. I also think it's, you know, it's matchy-matchy. Shin is like a kind of paler color, paler animal, which I like. I like to think she specifically was like, no, I want the white one, please. Matches my hair. Nice. (laughs) No, I'm not aware of any significance for the color specifically in terms of the parallels with the Norse mythology. Okay. So what do you guys think about... What do both of you think about... Thrawn consistently referring to Balin as so important to the outcome of mm. what is going to happen. Mm. Like, I just, to me, it just adds to this mysterious guy that we know nothing about. And, you know, before he finds out that Balin's not there, he's like, well, we should be fine as long as Balin is there. Mm. Of course, we know by then that he's not going to be there. But, you know, then we right. find out, then Thrawn th- finds out, and he's like, we are we are minus one mercenary. Right. Where is Balin's skull? You know, and I just think that that, I mean, he still kind of outmaneuvers everything, and realizes, well, okay, we need to just get out of here, work on, you know, running out the clock, to use mm-hmm. a football term, mm. and, you know, make sure our enemies don't have time to make a counter and, and get out of there. But I just thought it was interesting that he kept referring to Balin. Because so. he thinks he's trying to, you know, screw up his plan of, of getting out of there. Maybe... But see, I guess if he thought Balin was up to something, like maybe Thrawn knows whatever Balin's looking for, you would think he would have had someone try to kill Balin by now. So maybe he's just concerned because he was once a Jedi that he'll, you know, fall back to his Jedi ways and try to stop him from from leaving Peridia, maybe. It is interesting that he keeps, yeah, he's keeping tabs on him big time. So... This is the the furthest I've got into a Star Wars show where I'm still so unsure of what people's like kind of motivations are and what mm. drives them and what their goals are. Everyone seems so mysterious and I god honestly I don't know what's going on and I love it. Yeah. Love yeah. It. Absolutely. I'm right there and, with you like usually it makes me mad that I don't know what's going on but I think that that's yeah. the whole point of it right now is is we're not supposed to know we're supposed to be doing podcasts going what the hell is going on <laughs> yeah yeah so we get a cool um what I call like an essential Star Wars quote from Balin before he and Shin part ways impatience for victory will guarantee defeat yeah and I, I just love when Star Wars throws out these like life lessons as, you know, Sith training or <laughs> Jedi training or whatever, you know, and I, I really appreciated that. I thought that was really cool. I think Obi-Wan said something very similar to that to um, to Anakin in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show when they showed that flashback of like their Attack of the Clones gear when they were training. And he says, yeah, yeah. you know, your desire to win is, I 
don't quote me. I don't remember. You know, your desire to win is why you will always fail is basically what he was saying. And I think yeah. that, that was kind of the same what, what Balin was saying to Shin there. I thought, yeah, yeah, I wrote that down because I was like, that is that is a total Star Wars thing to say there. Yeah. And then knowing that he has foresight, you have to wonder why he said it. You know, what does he see in Shin's future that, mm-hmm. you know, necessitates telling her that? And okay. if he can see her future, does telling her that do anything? I wonder. Like, hey, take a step back before you charge in kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's a good point. I, I know I'm going a little off topic, but it's kind of like in the in the Matrix when the Oracle tells Neo not to, not to worry about the vase. But what's really going to bake your noodle later is would you have broken it if I hadn't said anything? Mm. Nice. I found it interesting that Shin absolutely thought about Ahsoka's proposal. She de- she yeah. definitely thought about it for the briefest of moments and then absolutely right. liked it. I wasn't sure if she was going to attack. It was really interesting. Yeah. And Sabine being the first one to leap forward and be like, I'll get her. No, yep. you won't. You've right. done enough damage. <laughs> But that's all like that. Um, that. Sorry. But that's sort of like Jedi training for Sabine. You know, mm-hmm. like someone who's not a Jedi would go after that person. But a Jedi mm-hmm. is more patient, more restrained, more like, you know, we will take care of ourselves and wait for the right time and give her time. Because I, I think Ahsoka really believes that she has a chance to bring Shin to the light side. You know, so she's like, no, we'll give her time to think about that. Plant that little seed of doubt in her mind and let it grow. Mm-hmm. And um, when she's ready, she will she will come to us. So what I was going to say is, how would you guys feel if that happens? If, if Shin turns to the light? I'm personally tired of good guy or bad guys turning good. Like, can't we just, like Charlie, you were saying, can't we just have, like, we need a villain in Star Wars. Can't we have several yes. villains? Um where where would that take you guys if Shin kind of joins the good guys there? I don't know. I could absolutely see see it happening. I think I would be disappointed. Like as much as I I loved Kenobi, I really did. But I think the kind of double cross for Reva was unfortunately quite easy to predict from the start. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that if we're reaching this point now and going, oh, is she going to turn? I don't know. But also, I, again, like you said, I don't know if I want another kind of like a, a happy ending, like a, a recovery. Like, you know, she she moves away from whatever Balin's plans were and she finds like the light side version of herself with Ahsoka and she becomes a proper Jedi and all of this. Like like we've heard so many times over the series, the Jedi are dead. Or correction, what the Jedi used to be is dead. Mm-hmm. And I'd be interested to see if Shin can forge something on her own or reunite with Balin. I was sad to see them separate. I really was. It seemed very sudden. Yeah. It seemed very, very sudden. Just kind of, yeah. yeah. I'm done with you. Yeah, definitely. But I guess that's the whole no attachments. I don't know. It's very interesting. Very, very interesting. So I, I could be happy either way. Mm. Um, I think if she comes back to the light side, I think it would be cool, cooler if it's in a sense because they need her mm. against Thrawn. Okay. You know, like that to me would be really cool. Like, you know, they can't leave or they can't succeed without Thrawn. I mean, without her, they can't 
succeed against Thrawn with her. Without gotcha. her, gosh, <laughs> just mount, like verbal diarrhea right now. But um, <laughs> but I also think, you know, because we've talked about how, how much we like her, that it would be really cool to see her in other stuff as a dark Jedi or yes. eventually a Sith even, you know, a full-on Sith, like, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't be mad either way. Like, I wouldn't be like, "Oh, this is stupid." But I am kind of. I just feel like there's too many. And I know my brother kind of yelled at me. He's he's my older, old, oldest brother. Um, he didn't really yell at me, but he's like, "Star Wars <laughs> is always about redemption." And I'm like, "But I'm tired of like, I want I want bad guys to be bad guys sometimes." Right. Yes. You know, right. just so this whole. And I know that we're kind of teetering with Shin and. And uh, Balin, they're not full on Sith. They're not full on Jedi. I kind of like them that way. Like, mm-hmm. like stay that way, just for something new. That's that's what this whole series has been so far is very new Star Wars, new but old. Like it, it, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, it's just a lot of new things. I mean, a new galaxy for crying out loud. So like, yeah, damn. Yeah. Um. So. It, it would be a nice, I think for me at least, a breath of fresh air if they stay true to what they've been this whole series so far. I can see that. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. I do. This is random, but I'm just trying to cross off some of the things I wrote down. Uh, what did you guys think of Ahsoka charging in like Gandalf when he returned in, uh, was that the Two Towers? <laughs> It was the Two Towers. It was the Battle of Helm's Deep. I'm so glad you brought it up. It's one of my favorite <laughs> moments from my favorite Lord of the Rings film. Yes. It's when totally the sunrises what it was, look right? for me in the East. <laughs> yeah. Most definitely. I mean, we know Filoni loves that series. so mm-hmm. He does. He's going to borrow from it. He's going to allude to it. But he, he does it. I'm so sorry, Mike. No, no, no. Uh, I was basically done. Just going to say that he always does it well. Yeah. So, mm. Charlie, what were you going to say? Um, just speaking of like the kind of Ahsoka the White thing, I know you're not the biggest fan, but we're using it. It's a cute nickname. I like it. Deal with it. <laughs> wow. Deal with it. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is my podcast. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, the cosplayers are eating so well this season. The costumes are beautiful. Oh Ahsoka's new like white gear is absolutely gorgeous. Um, we get a really good look at Shin's costume in this episode, which is stunning. Yeah. Super, super exciting. Everybody, like all of them, uh, Balin's uh, outfit is great. Like, like I would yes. totally wear that. Um, even Ezra with his like uh, almost Moses gear on, mm-hmm. and then he, but he's got all those. As well. Did you hear that? It's stormtrooper dog tags that he made that out of. I saw that online. I don't know if it's been no confirmed, way. but that's what Whoa. everyone's saying is those are stormtrooper dog tags, and it's totally an Ezra move because he's that's you know the badass. collector. Yeah, it's totally wow. badass. Right? That is so badass. <laughs> wow. But uh, but yeah, they all like I think. The, the costuming and stuff is really, I mean, we know it's a TV series, a streaming series, so it's low budget, but it doesn't really look low budget to me, what they're wearing. So I'm, I'm impressed with that. No, not at yeah. all. So I find it somewhat interesting because you got, you're both right. Like the costumes, it almost feels like the costumes are indicating more 
as to where these people are in terms of the force than like their morals for lack of better word okay. you, you know like the people who are you know like ahsoka's wearing white or very light colored stuff you've got you know the the white what are those dogs called the howlers the howlers yeah thank yeah. you yeah you know so it's almost like there's this there there's because w one of the things i was saying that i've posited could be what's missing is that hard cut between the light side and the dark side like people are just right. good people are just evil right like at, at this point in star wars the only like really evil person is still the emperor yeah that's you true know? and mm -hmm. so it's like so they're using imagery to kind of tell us who is good and who is not but it used to be that people's actions were clear as to what's good and what's not. Now, in this series, I think they've done the best job out of anything, you know, describing like why people are acting certain ways and, and sort of handling the less rigid um, interconnection between the light and the dark. You know, better than I, I feel like it's been done in the past. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent, yes. Yeah. And like we brought up Ryan Johnson. You brought up, John, you brought up how, well, actually you both mentioned how, um, you know, new, all this new stuff. And that was one of the things I had forgotten I was thinking while I was watching these episodes is like, this is how you do new the right way. Mm. Yes. So true, dude. Yeah. So true. Like I actually a lot made of... a note about that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, Charlie, don't get mad at me with my. I don't have hatred for the sequels. It's just yeah, and and we've I actually. Like I know. I know. We talk about it all the time. Charlie abuses me. I do. <laughs> um. Please. <laughs> Commence. Nice. <laughs> you will like the films <laughs> but you know i think charlie you and i even talked about this a couple of times recently um with the sequel trilogy it kind of try maybe it wasn't us i don't know regardless they tried new like everything was new and yes. kind of didn't really kind of they shoved the old under the rug like get this stuff out of here put R2-D2 under a tarp, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and in this, and really the, the Mandoverse as a whole so far, it's showing respect to what came before it. Um, the OT, the PT, the animated right. series, even some of the EU, they're, they're showing respect to that. They're bringing some of yeah. that in. So Mike, you saying that this is how you do new, it's... It's right. I mean, even in the sequel trilogy, you you didn't really see any of the OT or PT aliens, the the familiar ones. Um, it was all new, like that uh, Canto Bite scene was just all new creatures, aliens. I think they just they they went a little too far with it. Where the Mandoverse series is our series is is, is. <laughs> how the hell do you say that one <laughs> series yeah yeah that's... yeah the Mandoverse series shows are putting it all together and 
as we've seen in season three of Mando, bringing in the sequel trilogy to connect to with um with was it Hux's dad? I think was in the the Shadow Council. So yes, it's pulling all of this stuff together, and so far, I would say they're doing a good job with it. And that's got to be. I love I love Favreau. I think he's got great energy and ideas. But I think it's got to fall on to Filoni doing this, pulling it all together with Favreau in the background going, yeah, dude, do it. You yeah, know? Do, that. <laughs> <laughs> do that one part. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. You know, and but I, I think that it's just it's kind of a cool puzzle that they're putting together, I think, so far. It's a, a puzzle and I've not I've not seen the front of the box. I don't know. I don't know what we're making, but I'm having right. a really good time regardless. <laughs> I love the way you said that. That's great. <laughs> Thank I had you. A, I had a moment when I was while I was watching this that um I was like, is this series really going to make me appreciate the sequels more? Like I don't even know <laughs> yeah. if I am ready for that. You know, because the way your that friends, they are doing it. You're friends with me now, so you have to be. I'm sorry, those are the rules. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll try and work on it, you know, because the the reality is, you know, to like you said, Charlie, um, a lot of Ryan Johnson's ideas were actually good. I think it was just the execution of those ideas and the lack of respect to what came before that really hmm. put a lot of people off. You know, like making the uh, was it Hardware Wars reference? Yeah, yeah. You know like the iron thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, Shout out to Lido for pointing that out to me. But, um, <laughs> you know, like Star Wars, yeah, it's a movie. And, yeah, it's a movie for people coming of age. You know, it's a franchise for people coming of age. But, you know, the moment you make it laugh at itself, the moment you make it like something that doesn't take itself seriously enough, you really lose the magic of Star Wars. And yeah. I think that's what Ryan Johnson was guilty of. And, um, but there are a lot of really good things in that movie. Sorry, we're not, we're not talking about Ahsoka. <laughs> I'm just going off. <laughs> no, you, you make a lot of good points though. And yeah, I mean, if, if he had a shot at doing just an original story, it would probably be really good. But, right. but coming in the middle of a, trilogy i think was just a bad move on disney's part but yeah we're not talking about ahsoka here so uh moving on <laughs> um i don't have a lot more yes i actually. i have two i have two things one of Do the it. things is here so here is my theory we were allowed to see zeb for 0.5 of a second in season three of mandalorian because they have but because they have blown the budget for ahsoka all yeah, we no are kidding. allowed is a passing comment of oh he's he's off training recruits wait yeah. they mentioned zeb yeah yeah so really? when sabine's talking to ezra and she's filling him in uh i think he he's repeating back to sabine the things that she's told him it's one of those yeah and he says like so so this person so here is leading her own squadron and and, and zeb's off training recruits and sabine's like nodding along with him oh that one went right we over have my not head seen him true yeah and that's that's probably why it's too expensive because he looked so good mike you saw that right yeah, yeah. It, it was actually... Oh, God. To, I... 
well, figured, but <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I was worried I'd like spoiled it for you. Then no. just oh god, no, actually, to my surprise, both literally and figuratively, um, th- that was like out of everything that they've shown, even when like Luke showed up at the end of that uh, season of Mando, mm-hmm. nothing surprised me more than seeing Zeb. Yeah, like I was like, holy crap, and I was watching it with people. <laughs> Who had no idea who he was? Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, so I was just, but it literally just drew it out of me. Like, I, it was a just a instinctive. <laughs> it was. And I so... got like side eyes from people. Nice. It was so unexpected that he just like walks up and started talking to Carson Tava. But then I kept saying at that time, you know, for our pods, I was like. He was the one I was concerned if he was going to show up in Ahsoka. How were they going to make this guy look? And he just looked so good. Like, it was better incredible. than I ever expected. Yeah. And then Dave Filoni in the background with his cowboy hat on, just, <laughs> just having the time of his life. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I, didn't, I didn't know about that. You know what That's I'd cool. like to see? I would like to see another one of those scenes where they're in one of those bars and, and see... George and Dave sitting at the bar. <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't. That would be I would I would cry like a baby, I think, if I saw that. I would also <laughs> cry. I think I'd have a panic attack out of the like the intense rush of emotion I would feel. I'd be gone. And then flannels would be canon in Star Wars. <laughs> and white tennis shoes. <laughs> and glasses. Right. <laughs> what if they're sitting in a booth off to the side? And George has his legs on the table. Nice. <laughs> Come we on, Star Wars, such make it happen. Fan boys. Right? Oh my goodness, <laughs> listen to us. <laughs> yeah, we're totally nerding out right now. <laughs> hey, Charlie here. Sorry to interrupt your listening, but here's a commercial. Journal entry 1138. Brighton Falls has seen its share of the strange, the evil, unexplained horrors, and crime scenes painted in blood. We battle through it, we watch out for one another, yet it seems the evils in this world find a way to get stronger and beat us down again and again. I was in high school when I was called to fight against this evil. My friends and I were grouped together, we had battles, we suffered losses, we had small victories, yet every time we think we've done our part, the darkness thickens, the days grow colder over time until the seal is broken and hell comes for us all again. Now today, I'm a police detective on a case that is stirring up echoes of that past. Something familiar is rising, and I again am both the hunter and the hunted. If this small clip piqued your interest, you can find my books on Amazon.com right now. I'm John Sebastian, creator and author of The Hunted Collection. Volume 1, Sins Arise, and Volume 2, Brighton Falls, are available digitally over on Amazon, and Volume 3, titled Casey Rains, arrives a Halloween 2023. My ebooks are available for download at a very low price, and you can take them with you on your Kindle app, which is available on Android and Apple devices. So head on over to Amazon.com today and secure your copies of the Hunted Collection, and get ready for Halloween, because Volume 3 is on its way. Charlie, what was your other one? You said you had two. So I know I've spoken a bit about kind of the the 
the comedy in this episode and not only was the actual kind of written comedy incredible but the comedic timing specifically of the actress who plays Morgan Elsbeth any time Thrawn opened his mouth to make some kind of pontificating insane statement about how he's absolutely 100% on top and she snaps her head round to give him the most excuse my language what the actual Hug expression <laughs> on her face. Amazing. I love that she's bold enough to challenge him. Yeah. She's bold enough to be like, what are you do what are you doing? Right. Yeah. It's it's interesting. She's 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 ballsy. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm impressed. Um yeah. you know, I'm I was just say on that subject, my brother, uh, we were texting, I think last week, and he said he mentioned that he was kind of disappointed that Morgan's kind of taken a back seat a little bit in this in the series now that uh, mm. she's found Thrawn and the the grandmothers and all of that. Um, I kind of agree. Like she's, I know I said grandmothers, but uh, she. Yeah, I catch I caught that where she's like challenging him, but you don't see much else of her other than just listening to what uh wow, brain fart, what Thrawn is saying. Thrawn, <laughs> the big blue what, man the with blue? the red eye Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Grand Admiral yeah. Musk. <laughs> yeah, but I, I really appreciate their interactions, you know, because I would have to watch again to really know for sure but it almost seems like at first she's just yes grand admiral yes grand admiral but then over time as things start to get um more tense then she starts questioning him and i find it very um enjoyable i'll say that thrawn is the kind of evil leader where you know he's not Darth Vader, who's going to force choke you for disagreeing or disobeying, he's going to casually deconstruct what it is that you're thinking and let you know how you're wrong. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, for one, that's how somebody learns. You know, he doesn't do it. He doesn't like belittle her. No. You know? He just, he's like, well, as a matter of fact, the Jedi will have to, you know. <laughs> so it's like, it just works out because that dynamic of her kind of she's been leading things for a while. Now she's kind of taking the back seat, but she has questions and he's like, well, actually, I'm Thrawn, bitch. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it also it, it feels like she's almost desperate for kind of his praise and his acknowledgement as well. Like she's yeah. she's done all of this. She's built this hyperspace ring. She's brought and oh, she's brought a soaker and she's brought Sabine and look at all of these wonderful things I've done. And he just looks at her. I I find that so she's so desperate for his approval. Yeah. And it, mm. it makes me question her motivation shifting. Is she shifting away from Thrawn, starting to question him more? Is she more interested in the kind of the Night Sisters? And what is this cargo? Mm -hmm. Again, we get the lovely right. little display on his like risk playing board of this is what's happening. And at some point, you, you have to think that she's going to realize that she is also a pawn on Thrawn's chessboard. Yep. Mm -hmm. She is, what's the word? Expendable. That's it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yep. I think everybody is. For him, I mean, he right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hope we get some answers in the, in the last episode. But I, I think that um, I lost my train of thought. That's what I think. But uh, yeah, <laughs> make a look a high, make a high. Nice. Ho. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I have no idea where I was going with that. So, damn. Damn, damn. Nice. <laughs> well, I've I've burnt through all of my notes. I don't know about yeah. you guys. I have yeah, I think that one there thing. Was a, oh. Oh, what were you going to say, Mike? No, uh, I was just going to talk about how there was less for us to catch up on this time. So. Oh, right. I just wanted to mention, and I actually did write this in my notes, the Noti are adorable and I want one. <laughs> Aren't they? Like, I love them. And then you get kind of so many aspects of their personality and, and the way Ezra speaks with them and communes with them and the fact yeah. that they kind of joined in on the fighting with rocks. They tried. They, they did okay. A, a yeah, that was like great. Used. Yeah. That was great. Um, yeah. I, I love the Noti. I love how the one was holding Ezra's hand at the end of the episode. Stop, I'm like, I cried. I'm like, can I just have one of these guys to hang out with? They're so cool. They're like, they're adorable the way they speak. And I, just, I don't know if we covered this, but they are actually speaking a form of nonsense Japanese. Really? Oh. Yeah. There are lots of um, uh, Japanese speaking people online brought it. I saw it on a, there was a whole Reddit thread discussing it and they are speaking both actual Japanese words and kind of a form of like nonsense language mingled together, okay. which is why I think for some people it maybe sounded quite so familiar. Mm. Okay. But yeah, that's, super interesting. That's, it's not, it's honestly, it's not surprising, but yeah, very interesting. Just with all like the samurai and all of that kind of nods. Yes, it fits with that. And also yeah. like the Ewok language is, um, uh, I'm not going to pronounce it correctly, but the language they speak in the Philippines, um, Tagalog, hmm. did not pronounce that properly. Yeah, and the um, and the imagery that you uh, brought out, Charlie, with um, was it uh, wow, I don't know. <laughs> what's it called, wabi sabi or something like that? Yes, wabi sabi. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah, it, all the more referring to Japanese culture. Um, mm-hmm. But this is the thing. It's been it's been Japanese culture, uh, pagan religious ideas, Norse mythology, Celtic mythology, Greek mythology. Like I, I, I don't know what Dave Filoni is on right now. And I know I said this exact same thing last week, but I am obsessed with it. I was massively into mythology as a child. It was one of my first like big hyper fixations and like special interests. And it's so nice to see that Dave Filoni is obviously very deeply passionate about these things as well. And I know Johnny said this. I'd love to have a chat with him. I feel like we'd get on. Right. Yeah. It's like the whole, like when we do our smorgasbord episodes of our podcast. Our smorgasbord of Star Wars episode. Yeah. It's like kind of what we're getting with this. Um, I have a couple of questions, not necessarily for you guys, but just questions going into the last episode. And then I we did forget our two words thing. So I want to I'll we'll uh. wrap up with our two words instead of starting with them. Some of my questions here is something they haven't and probably won't address. But I would like to know is how did Thrawn and Ezra survive the trip on the Chimera with all those broken windows? You know, all the broken windows, all the damage to the Chimera and the Purgles are just like, hey, we're going to this galaxy. How did they live through that? Because the the hall was not sealed. There's no way it was. Like hmm. I said, I know you guys probably don't have an answer. That's just something. And another one that has been bugging me probably ever since they decided to start telling stories after Return of the Jedi. How do they continue to tell these stories without Han, Luke, and Leia? Like, how do they how do they go through this? Yeah, I know we've seen Luke and we've heard mention of Leia, but 
these are like the heroes of the OT and how do they, I don't know. It's not anything I'm hating or anything like that. It's just kind of a head scratcher to me is how do we not see and Chewie? Like, how do we not see mm. these characters come into play when there is a huge grand Admiral Thrawn threat coming? Perhaps because at this point they don't really believe that the threat is coming. Like we're seeing them come to the understanding that the threat is coming. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, you know, if, if we are following the timeline toward the sequel trilogy, um, we know that we know what happens to Han, right? Like he doesn't stick around. He goes back to being yeah. kind of the loser. And um, we did see, you know, reference to Senator Organa. Right. Chewie, you know, hopefully Chewie will show up at some point. That would be cool. Um, but yeah, I, I, I doubt, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they mention Han, like what his role would be at this point in time. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know. I, I think Harrison Ford is like, yeah, I'm glad he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Harrison Ford would be happy if he never returned to Star Wars again. And like, yeah. I'm okay with that. I would just like somebody to say the words Han Solo at some right. point, please. Yeah. I mean, they could recast all these characters. I know a lot of people would not be thrilled with it, but yeah. I mean, we, we had Alden Ironreich as Han Solo and I thought yeah. he did a good job. Um, I did too. I think that even, uh, you know, all the people craving uh, Sebastian Stan, is that his name? As Luke? Yeah, I could see it. It is Sebastian Stan, but no, for him as Luke, absolutely not. Even Mark Hamill gave the blessing, so. (laughs) But I'm just saying it can be done. It probably won't be. But I guess for me, for having all of these years of Expanded Universe books to read and, and continue their adventures, and now we're seeing some of those come into play in canon with Thrawn, I, it just, it's, it's a struggle for me to not be like, oh, well, you know, we got to get Luke. We got to get uh, Wedge and Chewie and Han and all those people. And yeah, I know what happens in the sequel trilogy, but that's still, what, like 30 years away? It's a lot of time that... They could, you know, recast and bring the old gang into it, but I don't know. Well, here's the the other thing about that, and this is um, one of the big reasons behind the um, SAG after a strike is AI. Mm-hmm. You know, in five to ten yes. years, they could just regenerate all of those people's, you know, all of their likenesses, and not have to pay the actors or their estates a dime. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of scary, you know. It's very I mean, it, scary. It, it's cool if you're a consumer and you don't care about the creators, which a lot of people are like that. Right. You know, a lot of people just want what they want and they don't really consider, you know, what goes on the lives of the people behind the scenes. But it's a weird spot for me because you would love to see those characters again and you would love to see them look and be exactly as you remember them but what are the ethics behind that yeah you make a very very good point mike you really do and then we got in what was it rogue one we got two cgi characters Mm -hmm. in with the people and i thought that was kind of tasteless honestly like i mean it was done fairly well mostly well better than most but that gave me the creeps Oh, did it really? It was very uncanny valley. It yeah. really was. 
Even when you're dead, they will sell you. That is very yeah. true. Yeah. That's also terrifying to think about. I mean, I'm not upset about it. I, I, I'm i enjoying 90, I'd say 95% of the, the series content that we've been getting without those characters and it, but it's cool to get the nods, you know, and, and we got three PO we've gotten the Leia mentions. We've seen Luke twice, uh, which I think is amazing just because it's Luke and, but yeah, it would be kind of cool to hear Han Solo's name, right? Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Just, we've heard everybody just, else. Just a name drop. I'd accept that if, if they can name drop a side, a side interest, then they can name drop Han Solo for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. I agree. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah and that is how point. I feel. All right. Before we cut out two words, describe the episode in two words. I know we're doing this backwards, but why not? Base Western. Hmm. I like it. Hmm. Forced chocolate. Okay. Forced chocolate. Some of the sweetest forced interplay that I think we've ever seen. You know, the way that uh, everything is mixed together, the light side and the dark side, people confused motivations. And going forward, I can't can't wait to take another bite. Did it work? Very good. Very good. That's uh, that was so poetic. I only have one word, and it's filler. Oh, <laughs> for real? You can't say that. Come on, after everything I've said this whole episode, does that even sound close to what I felt <laughs> about it? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was. I'm too gullible. Stop. I know. I know. Um, I'm going to. Make it one myself. word, cut and cut in pieces. Exquisite. Yes, Exquisite. that's more like it. Yeah, yeah. Like no, it. this is really good storytelling. I, I, I feel Perfection. like it's a overall. It's a little slow. Like I, I don't want. I'm not, you know, asking for too much more. But I just, I feel like now I'm a little anxious for this last episode because I mm-hmm. feel like there's a lot that has to be covered in case it's only one season. We don't know. Um, yeah. I know. I know. There's movies and all that stuff coming at some point, but yeah, I, I think it's. It was really good. It's, it was really good storytelling. There were a lot of fun Star Wars moments in this. There were callbacks that I'm sure somebody out there on Twitter is complaining. Oh, we got to see three PO. <laughs> <Yeah>. People <laughs> will complain you know, people about will anything. Complain. Yes. I was will. gonna say people will complain, and if they're complaining about C three PO, then they're not a real Star Wars fan. Right. For real. Mm, theme service. Surface the hell out of me. I'm a fan. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean. What God. else are they supposed to do? Right? Like, so. It's almost like we like these characters or something. You know? God, how do you like them? <laughs> <laughs> you like Star Wars? Ew. <laughs> yeah. If, if you're that, if, if seeing 3PO upsets you that much, you should just stop. Yeah. You should just stop watching Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Stop 100%. considering yourself a fan. Consider yourself a casual observer or perhaps somebody who pays too much attention to something you don't like because it's popular. I mean, that sounds like a really good uh, down. tweet. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. But uh, no, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Finale next week. I, I don't even know what to think. So what a ride it's been oh right we'll be back for it all so uh we will yeah uh, i don't know if you guys 
like me at all. So I don't I don't know if I'll be back if you're listening. I don't know if they're gonna let me out again. We'll have a poll. <laughs> <laughs> How much does this guy suck? A lot? A little? Oh my god. <laughs> Please go, because I can't I can't say <laughs> All right. Okay. Thanks for having me on again. You guys are it was a pleasure. Pleasure to talk to. Yeah. All right. Right on. Take all care. Right. Have all a right. good one. You too. Bye bye. All right. We will catch you all next week. May the Schwartz be with you. May the Schwartz be with you. You can also find us at, at Flylammy Radio at gmail.com if you want to come and say some stuff to us. And if you want to come and pester us in our DMs, you can find us on Instagram at Clone Army Radio. And you can also come and pester me, Charlie, at, at Running Bad Jacku. Thanks. All right. You got to do it though. Bye. Do it, Admiral Vietnam.